Hello everyone, my name's Steve. I've been part of Church Central West now for a few years. So long in fact that my beard's turned white. The talk this morning is a part of the series we've been doing called Jesus Our Joy. This talk is about being content, which I'm sure you'll agree would be good for us all. So if you're a Christian or you're not, there's something here for everybody. Now the person that wrote this passage is called Paul. He was in Rome about AD 62 and he's writing to the people in a church at Philippi, which is a city in Macedonia. Now Kate is going to read the passage from Philippians. This week's reading comes from Philippians 4 verses 10 to 13, reading from the NLT, the New Living Translation. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ, who gives me strength. Thanks, Kate. Now, did anything jump out at you from these four verses? I was intrigued by the word learned. It really stood out to me. Paul uses the word learned twice. He says that he's learned to be content in all circumstances and he's learned the secret of being content. This implies that Paul hadn't always been content. He'd had to learn it. So what does Paul mean that he's learned to be content and what's Paul's secret? I'd like to explore these questions and hopefully we can gain some insight into Paul's secret of being content. And I believe there's something of real lasting value to learn here, whether you're content right now or not. So we'll start off by looking at what contentment is and think about this in relation to Paul's circumstances. Then we'll look at some of the things that make us feel content and what Paul has to say about them. And that will lead us on to where Paul found his contentment and how we learn to be content in all circumstances. And finally, we'll look at how we can learn to be content and how we can measure our contentment. So to start off, what is contentment? Have you noticed that the word content is not often used these days? I mean, I might possibly use it having just finished a nice meal or when sitting in the pub with friends having a nice pint just finished a day's walk in the hills. Lovely. But these feelings are momentary. They don't last. So are they contentment or are they happiness? And what's the difference? Well, happiness is defined as being happy. It's showing or feeling pleasure. Whereas contentment means you don't desire more than you already have. You are satisfied. You wish for no, you don't wish for anything else. Paul's situation in first century Rome, neither of these words comes to mind. 
his circumstances seem grim and desperate. I mean, the Romans, they were the superpower of that time and they ruled everywhere with an iron fist. The Jewish leaders, well, they were out to get Paul. He had been once their champion against this new sect of Christianity, but he'd now been converted to the other side. Paul had been charged with insurrection in the Roman Empire and as a Roman citizen, he'd appealed to Caesar. And after quite an exciting journey to Rome, he was now under house arrest and awaiting trial. Insurrection is a serious offence. If the verdict went against him, the outcome would most likely be execution, which really puts Paul's circumstances into context. Paul is under 24 hour a day guard, he's in chains. And yet during this time, Acts 28 tells us that Paul boldly preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. How could Paul be content with the threat of execution over his head? I don't know what you think, but it seems quite natural to be content when things are going well, but much more difficult when life gets tough. But Paul, he states that he's content whatever his circumstances. This seems completely unnatural, as he had every reason not to be content. Note, though, he uses the word content. He doesn't say that he's happy, as that would imply he's a bit crazy. I mean, who would be happy in such a situation? Happiness seems to be a short-term fix, whereas contentment seems to be much deeper than happiness. It's a longer-term condition. It's more of a way of life. We often hear about a longing for happiness, but is that really aiming too low? Instead, should we be desiring contentment? So, are you content? Or right now, are you miles away from it? Is it something you once had, or is it just a distant dream? You know, is it something you never experienced? I know that some of you might be going through difficult times right now. You have difficulties at work or at home. You may be anxious about the uncertainty of your job or you're, you know, you're facing exams or grieving the loss of a loved one or just simply aching for the physical contact with another person. Where do you find your contentment? Is it in money? I mean, there's certainly a feeling of security if you're well off. You know, it's a buffer if times get hard. There's no need to worry about the bills or whether you can go away. Paul talks about this in this passage. He said that he knows what it is to be in need and he knows what it is to have plenty. The Philippians, well, they'd sent Paul some money to support himself and pay the rent for the house he was staying in. And maybe at that time, Paul had got some spare cash. But Paul shows his attitude towards money if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and can take nothing out of it. Money and the things gained from it didn't have any hold over Paul. He knew what loving it could do to us. However much money we have, it's never enough. Money becomes an idol and it doesn't satisfy. Paul was glad to receive this gift of money from Philippi. He was thankful 
and you praise God for it. And as we've seen, money wasn't the basis of Paul's contentment. So are you confident in yourself? Are you confident in your own influence and proud of your status? Is that your source of contentment? From chapter 3 of this letter, Paul said he's got no confidence in the flesh, even though he has a tremendous Jewish pedigree. He considers the former things rubbish, that he may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of his own that comes through, from the law, but through faith in Christ. By using the phrase the flesh, Paul means himself, mankind really. He's saying that his confidence was not in himself even though he previously had a great standing. His contentment wasn't based on his own position. He considered those things worthless. So are you content in what you do? What's your aim or purpose in life? Do you bury yourself in work or endlessly seek new experiences and pleasures? Well, we can see from the Bible that Paul was a man of action. He had great drive and focus. Previously, he'd been commissioned by the Jewish leadership to destroy Christianity. He was convinced that what he was doing was right. But now, God had changed him. And he realised that those former ways were totally irrelevant. He wasn't persecuting the church anymore. He joined in with God's mission. Paul's aim in life was now bringing glory to Jesus. His main purpose was to honour Jesus. Paul knew that Jesus was sovereign over all things for all time. And in absolutely every situation, Jesus was at work. Paul knew that Jesus was building his church. And he had total confidence in Jesus, whatever might happen to him. He couldn't fail. Paul wanted to honour Jesus if he continued to live or in his death. Paul shows his absolute bulletproof confidence in Christ with his words in chapter 4 verse 13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now I think the application of this verse should be taken into context. I like climbing mountains. I know that I'm a Christian and that God strengthens me. But I'm not going to climb the North Ridge of Everest. It would, one, be suicidal. And more importantly, it's not God's plan for me. I think that this verse could be read as, I can do everything that God has called me to do through him who gives me strength. Paul wasn't a superman. He knew what he could do and he knew what Jesus could do. He knew that Jesus had saved him from his former way of life and was with him by the Holy Spirit. He knew what was his responsibility and what was God's. Paul was totally confident in Jesus' ability to give him the strength and power to complete the job that he had been appointed to do. He was totally content and satisfied in Christ. And Paul had been given a mammoth job. Acts chapter 9 verses 15 and 16 says that he is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him 
and which he must suffer for my name. So what has contentment got to do with suffering? I mean, logically, they don't go together. But let's look back at Paul's life to try and understand how they're connected. Paul was writing this letter about 25 years after his dramatic meeting with Jesus on the road to Damascus. God had appointed Paul to preach the gospel and to plant churches. He'd been on three long missionary journeys at that time. He'd started churches in many cities and had overcome obstacles and much opposition. In Corinthians, he says that he'd been hungry, thirsty, in rags, brutally treated, homeless, in prison, flogged, beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked, exposed to death, in danger, and has no nakedness and cold. From Philippians chapter 3, Paul makes the amazing statement that has to burst our hearts. It needs to be drunk in like a fine wine. Don't just glug this down. Instead, roll these words around in your mind and then drink them in to fully appreciate them. Then, when they impact you, shout it from the rooftops. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing with his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And in Philippians chapter 1, Paul said, It's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. I hope you can all see this. Paul knew that his suffering was from God for Christ. Paul's suffering was vital for him to learn to be content and it's vital for us too. Naturally, we like the security and freedom from money. We're proud. We like to be self-sufficient, have status. You know, what other people think well of us. However, Paul's life was like being in a forge where his total reliance on God was being shaped by God to glorify Jesus. Many years ago, I used to work in a forge. Bright, yellow, hot metal bars were taken from a furnace and bashed into various shapes with large hammers. It was a hot, noisy, smelly and dangerous place where you had to be aware of what was happening around you. Any suffering or trial is like being in such a hostile environment. It's hard. It tests our faith. Will we, like Paul, consider suffering something from God to mould our characters, to be more like Jesus in order to glorify him? Or will we refuse to see God in it and look for contentment in other things? Will we rely on our money, our own resources, our status, our aims? Will we refuse to change and just continue in the same old ways? During all of Paul's suffering and trials, he knew that God was with him. His character was being moulded to be more like Jesus. 
Through suffering, Paul was learning to be content, whatever was happening to him. It all boiled down to the fact that Paul had to learn to totally trust in Christ. Now this thread of faith, learning to have total trust in God, runs through the whole Bible. It's God's lesson for his people. We can see it in the Old Testament and in the New and throughout church history. How do we learn contentment? We can learn it by looking at the faith of Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Miriam, Ruth, Esther, Samuel, David, the prophets, the disciples, Paul, Lydia, Barnabas, etc, etc. The secret of contentment is simple. Trust in Christ. Or to put it another way, Jesus is Lord. The secret of contentment is simple, but it isn't easy. How do we keep trusting God the next time anxiety, disappointment, illness, loss or grief come our way? If we're anxious about our circumstances, if our hopes and desires are never achieved, if we get ill in hospital with a terrible disease, if someone close to us dies, our minds become numb as we struggle to take all this in. We want to scream. Will our trust in God vanish at that moment? Will we blame him for allowing this to happen to us? When we're weak, will our faith be strong? We learn by practising. So, if you are suffering now or not, be active in learning to be content in Jesus. We can do this in both the bad times and in the good times. How do we actively learn to be content in Jesus? If we fill ourselves up with truth by reading and meditating on the word of God, if we know who we are in Christ by trusting in his promises, if we have his presence with us, then we'll be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So when the hard times come, we'll keep on trusting God and he will shine through us. His grace will be sufficient for us, just as it was for Paul. Also, if we trust him, we will pray. And we can see from early in Philippians chapter 4 that God has promised to guard our hearts and minds with his peace that transcends all understanding. Practically, we demonstrate our trust in Jesus every day by obeying him. In every little detail of our lives, God has chosen us for this. We have a choice and we are responsible for how we behave. As Paul says, pursue. This is an active, ongoing thing. Keep on pursuing righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. But we need also remember that Paul wasn't always like this. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says, Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy 
because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So let's accept his abundant grace and joyfully obey Jesus. Our obedience to Jesus, our trust in him, being content whatever our circumstances, it's not understood by people who do not believe in Jesus. Showing and sharing how we get through difficulties with contentment is declaring the gospel. So the contentment we learn, it's not just for ourselves. A personal example of this is we were diagnosed with uh, unexplained infertility. We fasted and prayed for God to give us a baby, but the only answer we both received was seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. So we, we trusted God in our childlessness. We became content. Some years later, we adopted our two boys. And when asked about this, we were able to share how God strengthened us during that time. It's an amazing work of God for us to be content in all circumstances. Do you remember the pictures of the wildfires spontaneously spreading across Australia and California last year? Well, for the early church, trusting in Christ, living the message, Jesus is Lord, it ran through the whole world like an uncontrollable wildfire. It couldn't be put out. People's lives were changed and Jesus was exalted. But it guaranteed hardship, opposition and persecution. And it will again before Jesus returns. Therefore, let us all learn from Paul's wisdom and imitate him. Let's be free from the love of money and confidence in ourselves. Let's see Jesus as a source of our contentment and the only one who can really satisfy us. Let's trust in Christ and see the purpose of suffering as a means of learning to be content in him. Let's live by faith and demonstrate that Jesus is Lord by being obedient to him. That's the daily challenge for us. The question is, are we up for it? I'm going to finish now by praying a short prayer for us all. Please join in with me. And after that, there'll be a display with a few questions for us all to think about. Lord Jesus, you are the Son of God. You have given us all we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of you. Help us, Lord, to trust in you completely and not find satisfaction in other things. Help us to learn to be content in you and give you the glory and the honour you deserve. Amen.